Ladies and gents, welcome. This is another Go Long Happy Hour. Jim Onis in the house. We've got Packer fans, Dolphin fans, a shortage of Bills fans, which maybe they're all in Miami. I don't know. That's that's what all the news reports say. You know, you got the, the local TV stations at the airport. They're all jammed up. All of Buffalo's leaving to Miami. We'll see. I, I think the Dolphin fans are going to turn out. I mean, Eric, you you tell us. I, I would think Dolphin fans, if there's a game to be at and not sell your ticket to a Bills fan, this is the one. I This is definitely the one. I mean, I had uh, several season ticket holders who are friends of mine, and I asked if they're going to the game. Some are not, just because when the game got moved to Sunday Night Football, they said, hey, it's too late. I really can't go. Got kids, got whatever obligations. But they made sure to sell their tickets to other Dolphins fans. So I think it's the the secondary market, I think, is inflating what actually is happening. There are going to be definitely some Bills fans that are both local and traveling down here to watch that game. But I still think it's going to be probably maybe 60, 65 percent Dolphins fans there. But those Bills fans are certainly going to be loud. And they're going to be, you know, I think the Dolphins should practice some silent counts to make sure they don't have any false starts. That's if they make it to the stadium. I mean, they're lighting themselves on fire. The the latest (laughs) viral video. It's just, man, what a blow for humanity when you see that. Like, there's a dude on fire, drunk, being dumb, and everybody just pulls out their phone to record it. Like, nobody really cares about saving them. Like, maybe maybe we should, this person that's on fire, maybe we should put it out. No, let's record it. Got to live for the gram. I, I heard a story. Maybe you guys heard this, that somebody like live recorded they had a maybe it was a gopro themselves getting bit by a shark like a shark literally bit somebody's leg off and he was recording it is that where we're at right now in society I, yeah anyways yes I, I do think the bills fans will be traveling joe joe is is in the house he's our uh you know he's all about oh. these stories of bills fans traveling to games i know He's been chronicling it on his account at Buffalo Winds, letting letting the world know what's up in that regard. How you doing, Joe? Living the dream, man. I don't know about you, but uh, a a dad beer on a Friday when you have a six month old or five five and a half month old, it, 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 it hits better than it ever has before. You know, and and I don't even know what I'm drinking. It's a stout of some sort, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's breathtaking, but. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, I've always had this theory when you were talking about the guy who went through the flames or the fire. It's I don't know, like one day someone's going to die there and I don't know what's going to happen. Like, wouldn't the state like the cops have to do something and go, OK, we can't have people dying. I mean, I know someone died before there. I'm not to laugh, but like they're going to say like, hey, uh, yeah, don't go through tables anymore. Don't die. Like, because that shit's crazy. And, and it will ruin not to be a selfish prick, but it will ruin it for everyone who just wants to go and drink and, and have food because some guy wanted to, you know, light himself on fire and be a stuntman. Yeah, we're, we're paying good money for this stadium. Can we maybe avoid people uh, getting killed on state property? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, well, Jim, what's your take on that? All? So you're, you know, director of personnel for the Bills coming in May of 2013 through May of 2017. So you're in the throes of seeing this fan base throw themselves through tables, light themselves on fire, dying for a winning team. I mean, when you're running that team, is it 
strange. It's it, it makes you realize why you need security after the games um, when you're with the owner because you realize people care so much about these wins and losses that what they're willing to do um, to show up for the games. And then if you put a team out there that looks like garbage sometimes and you're responsible for that, it's, it, it, it's the reality of it when you go to the games, especially away games too. And you see how angry, you know, we always talk about the Raiders. I always thought the Jets, anytime you play the Jets or the Giants, that drive in on the bus and the way fans are throwing things at the bus or the middle finger is pretty common. And what they say is usually pretty funny. But when you see the Bills fans and what they're willing to do, you know, just the lengths they go, it's like, I get it. Fan, you know, fanatic, we know the definition. So I get it. Let's, uh, we do have to get to uh, Jordan Love because Chris is in the house too and the Packers. But let's start with the Bills, the Dolphins. Jim, we've been kind of BSing via text, Joe, too. I think early in this week, I was where most of America was on this on this matchup. Just the Dolphins being this skeletal crew that gets their brains beat in by the Ravens, humiliated. Um, it's like all the goodwill that they beat that they built up with that win over Dallas just just vanished with that game. But I mean, maybe this is just the nature of the NFL, right? You've got a week between games, and like the more I'm thinking about it, like they're getting a little healthier now. Jalen Waddle first, Mike McDaniel says, "Well, we're going to monitor it, see how his ankle responds." Now he's practicing. No, I don't know what Miami is going to have on defense. Really, if the Bills decide to just let Josh be Josh and unleash him in all of his fury. I'm, I'm not really sure how Miami can stop him, uh, but I think Miami's offense at home with Waddle, with Mostert, who knows where Hill's ankle's at, who knows where his mind is at when his home literally burnt. I, I think it's going to come down to the wire. I, I think it's it's going to come down to the last drive, but where, where, where do you stand, Jim? And then we'll kind of go around the room. I think it's going to be a hell of a game. It's not, I think the Bills is the bet for me. I am betting on the Bills, but I'm not sitting there thinking it is going to be some sort of anything. I'm not buying the injuries like you, Tyler. I'm not like, look, it's a part of the game. Let's get, let's get past it. The Bills have two incredible, like, and I use that word, we don't use that word a lot, but high level starters out for the whole season. So you get over it quickly, you move on. We don't even talk about Trey White and Matt Milano anymore. So, that can't be an excuse. The Dolphins, it's time. Two Jim Mona's draft picks, by the way. Sorry to jump in. No, don't. I, hey, always good to remember. But, Sorry um, to interrupt you, Jim, by pointing no, out. No, not at all. I, hey, I like remembering that. draft about those players. It's nice to it, it's nice to see them. I, I, I was hoping to see them on this team this year. I mean, that's, you know, to see what this team really could do on defense. Bottom line, this game is going to be awesome. Ton of points, I think. Have some fun. Superstars. Josh Allen versus Tua, which quarterback gets it done? The turnovers. That's the cliche of every game, but it's true. If Josh or Tua, which one's going to give it up first? It's like a big tennis serve match. Break point. Let's see what happens. Who's going to get that first break? Who's going to get that first, like, punt or stop? You know, that changes momentum early. I mean, it was October 1st when they played, but it seemed like the Bills defensive line they just got after Miami I mean, they took them out of their rhythm they couldn't get into their stuff and then Tua did exactly what you said is going to be the difference last thing I want to say and I want to hear everybody else's opinion 
I do think the Bills have a better, much better defense than Miami. I don't want to, I don't think Miami's, you know, let's not take away Miami's defense with those guys isn't that great anyway. I mean, they've had hey, issues. We, all we, year. we were, we were praising Vic Fangio up and down no. last week on the pod. Praising, I know them I was. For, praising them for being coming up from God awful to middle of the pack. Yes. Yes. But bottom line, when you're 21st in points or 25th in points per play, as a defense, one of my favorite stats that people just don't dive into enough. That's horrible. Like Josh Allen is going to be getting off on this game. It can Miami keep up with Buffalo. That that's how I see it going. There you go. Have at it. Let's go to Eric. Let's get all right. Well, yeah. So I tend to think the way that uh, Jim just mentioned, I think there's a significance here in terms of what the offense is able to produce in this game. One of the things I've noticed, if you really go and look at the stats, uh, during the time that Josh Allen's been the quarterback of the Bills and how he's faced against Miami, his numbers just jump off the page. I mean, there are just incredible numbers, even just his rushing numbers, his rushing touchdowns, and his efficiency in yards per carry. Just, you would think they're Devon HN numbers <laughs> from earlier in the season. And what I think would be beneficial, especially with Xavier Howard out of this game on Sunday, I think it's imperative. And I know that Jalen Ramsey, uh, since he's been back with the team uh, towards uh, week eight of the season, even though Jim's numbers there about the Dolphins defense going from bottom rung to middle of the pack is a fair assessment. It can also be argued that Ramsey's return to the team has made a significant difference in how the team is fair. Now, Part of that, I think, is also the quality of the opponents that the Dolphins have played. They've been feasting defensively on weaker teams. We saw that, for example, against Denver, even without Ramsey. We saw it against Carolina. We saw it against the Jets two times in the span of four weeks. So we know that they tend to prey on those weaker offenses. But that being said, what I want to see this defense do is really go more man versus zone against the Bills. I really think that it is better for them defensively to really focus on trying to stop the pass and let him, if he wants to, become a runner. Because I think the return of Jerome Baker is really going to be beneficial for that middle of their defense because he, having been out with a ligament injury, he's expected to return on Sunday. That's a big return for the defense. I think the injuries for Miami on the defensive front are really significant especially now with both of their key linebackers and Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips both out for the season with ACLs. But I really think now it's on two in the offense. Jalen Waddell being listed today as being questionable, I think is a huge possible start for him. Even if they put him in certain packages for certain plays, the fact that he's not doubtful for this game does at least give some confidence. He might be able to get some snaps on Sunday night. Mostert, I think, is the greater concern for me. But if Wilson and Achan and even Chris Brooks, if there are some plays for him that can get them into the red zone and able to put some yards down on the ground, that's a benefit for them. But by and large, this is really on the offense. And we can't also forget now Rob Hunt as a guard has been out for a hamstring with a hamstring problem for quite some time. His return to the offensive line is really great on that right side, helps to his blind spots a bit. So I think overall... Can this offense move the ball downfield, get big yardage plays? And we saw Hill had a really bad game in Baltimore last week. Obviously, he's got some personal matters to tend to, and hopefully the game can be a minor distraction for a bit of time. 
We know that the team was happy to see him today at practice, but can Hill get a 100-yard-plus game? Can he get two touchdowns in the game? If Miami is able to balance things on the ground and in the air against that really stout defensive front for Buffalo, and they can maybe get a lead of, say, 9, 10 points early on, I think they can hold on to the game. But if Josh Allen starts to get to the point where he's trying to win the game in the second or third quarter, then he may go YOLO, Josh, and all it takes is that one or two turnovers, and next thing you know, Miami can really get a significant lead. So that, I think, is going to be key. What does the Dolphins' offense do early in the game? If they win the coin toss, do they want to get the ball first in offense just to prove that they can get that lead and hold on to it? So those are some things I'm looking out for coming up on Sunday night. Great stuff. Man, that that was a hell of a breakdown. Jim, you have something to say? I think pay attention early because Miami does have a good run defense. Like we you are know, being hard on Miami's defense, but their, their red zone defense is poor points per game points per play. Like I said, pass defense poor, but that run defense is good. If the bills are having success running the ball, I don't think Miami has a shot, but I expect Buffalo to struggle running ball because of that. And like to that point that Eric's saying, if the bills are struggling rushing the ball, Putting the pressure on Josh, making plays, that's when you get the turnover. Agreed. So that's stuff I'm going to pay. If the Bills are running the ball, though, I don't see Miami having it. I don't think Miami can win this one. Dude, that's why it all comes back to philosophy, right? And we wrote it Monday. What a a moment in game 272 for for Buffalo to to say, all right, this is what we are. We hear a lot about identity. Even out of these ugly wins over the Chargers, over the over the Patriots, identity, force and turnovers, defense, running the ball, complimentary football. It it seems good now. It seems like a good equation now. I don't think you're winning a Super Bowl thinking through that lens. You've got to lean into the player that is unlike any player in the NFL. And this is the perfect matchup to do it. Now as as much as I'm praising Josh Allen all the time, he didn't play well. I mean, he missed a lot of throws against New England. Like he's got to hit the open receivers without a doubt. Um, but it takes McDermott, Brady, philosophically, everybody just realizing, man, Miami's down. Chubb, they're down. Jalen Phillips, they're down. Sabian Howard, you better be putting the ball in the air 35 times, 40 times to win this game. And and if you're interested in winning Super Bowls. I know Joe. Joe got mad at me earlier this season, kind of uh, touching on the run game, and it's a it's a needle to thread because I feel like you you do need that in your back pocket. I mean, even the Chiefs last year, they were handing the ball to Pacheco in some key spots. It felt like the middle of the season, the Bills needed to kind of like, okay, get get a, the offense is out of sync, give it to the backs, run the ball a little bit, but it it can't be central to the Super Bowl equation. I don't know. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I agree with that. I think if, if if a team is playing like a lot of defensive backs, like Dallas did, then sure, run the football. But you don't pay Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs all their money to just be a run, you know, hand the ball off and be a wide receiver running down the field or to block, which seems a little bit what they're doing now. But I think for this game, I've I've gone back and forth. Like, and I wanted to ask you guys, like Jim, if you if maybe you have some insight on this. Do you believe in the bounce back game? Because if this was, let's just say the Ravens and Dallas game were, were flipped 
like and 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 Miami won last week. I would totally be in all in on Buffalo. I would be like they all the matchups they they're in their favor for the most part, but because they got killed, I feel like this is Miami's going to be pissed off and like want to bring their A game. And I just do you believe from like being in the NFL? Do you believe in that bounce back game that when a, a team gets that's supposed to be good gets their ass kicked? Next week they're refocused. Like, how is that? Like, how does that happen? That seems kind of weird. Like, oh, everyone's focused, and then you have that fu game. And I—that's part of me thinks like Miami might have that fu game because of what happened last week. I believe in bounce back games. Yes, this is not one. These are two teams that need no motivation. Nothing needs anything other than this is all on the line. This is your. This is going to be your highest level of professional football you can get. So I don't think I don't think the embarrassment it doesn't I don't think that helps. Yeah, I don't think that focuses Miami anymore. Do you believe in experience because of Miami? This is only Miami like with this core. They're like they made the playoffs last year, and like it's kind of crazy to me. Like they were up three games on the Bills like a month ago, and they lose their they lose the division, and that's it. Like, do you believe in that experience factor? Because the Bills are more playoff savvy. They've had, they had to win it out kind of in 2021 against the Pats to win the division, from I remember. Do you believe in the experience of, like, Miami being, like, hey, they've only been in the playoff once. Buffalo's been there five, what, five straight years, I think, now, if they get in tomorrow or Sunday. Yeah, I do. I think it plays a part. But I think both teams are experienced enough Yeah, at this point. I, I just don't – like, I, I keep coming back to it. I'm This one is – we're trying to find edges – I think there's subtle ones. Like we're all trying to find something. This is going to be, this is why we like the NFL. And I think this game, really the stakes to your point, Jim are so massive. Like this goes into uh, from Tyler's article in the week. Like you can look at McDermott, you can look at McDaniel. Each of them have so much to play for and really kind of lead their team to a victory. Both teams are seven and one at home this season so, and, and we know that Cincinnati went into Buffalo last year and won in the playoffs, but it is really hard to win in those opposing stadiums for both of those teams. And for Miami, you almost feel like the path to getting to the Super Bowl almost feels like you have to do it by winning this game and getting that second seed. Because here's at least the rationale. We can look at it. They are able to get that second seed. They will probably host you know, either Buffalo, which of course, depending upon how other games play out, could be Buffalo, could be Pittsburgh, but you know, you ideally might want to have the Steelers play at home. Great. So let's say you do get that Steelers team, you win that game, and let's say uh, Cleveland wins as a five seed over whoever the four is from the South. You've got Kansas City probably winning at home against whoever they're facing, likely going to be one of the other teams there uh, in the wild card, or maybe Houston, for example, if they win on Saturday. But you have the possibility of having really only a, a Cleveland upset. Then Cleveland could potentially go into Baltimore with an interdivision game, and maybe Baltimore's one and done. And if Miami has a chance to host the AFC Championship game, that would be immense for them considering their record at home this season. Now, a lot is to play out that way, but I think that if you actually have to go on the road to play Kansas City, which they could have won overseas in Germany. They didn't win that game. And maybe, you know, I'm sort of less inclined to think that Kansas City is a stalwart team right now. Their offense is some disarray. But I think the, the, the path for them 
to make it to at least the AFC Championship game is much, much easier by beating Buffalo. And again, you at least would know going into that game whether winning or losing determines if Buffalo is going to play you again the very next weekend or not. But to your point, Jim, like this is really such an evenly balanced game that there is no significant edge to either team. But I think just in terms of if you're, if you're foreshadowing to what path is easier, the Dolphins clearly know hosting your, your playoff games is going to be the more guaranteed path than it is actually playing everything on the road. These aren't the Steelers from years ago that won as a six seed on the road and, and eventually came to win the Super Bowl. This is not the same kind of team. Their defense is not as good as Pittsburgh's was back then. And their offense, while potential, has the chance to really kind of succeed. They don't have enough guys healthy right now. And they may actually hold some guys back on Sunday's game, which may cost them to win the division, just looking at the long road for the playoffs. So much at stake, so much to see, but it's interesting to talk about it. I, I, if I'm the Dolphins, w- wouldn't you just want all hands on deck right now for that reason alone? Jim, like if you're the director of personnel for the Dolphins, if you're a coach, if you're anybody in charge, and I think that Mike McDaniel kind of hinted at this in his press conference this week where he's talking about Tua playing through pain and he made a he made a point to say like what an example to set to everyone if you're if you're differentiating injuries from pain to to realize this is pain I need to play through it it's such a fine line because you don't want to be the coach you don't want to be the trainer you don't want to be that force of evil saying Billy Bob stays in the game. Billy Bob. Oh man, Varsity Blues, great movie. Like you don't want to, you don't want to go to that extreme. But shit, this is a big game. If you win this game, as Eric said, like you, you host playoff games in Miami. Man, that that could be the difference between getting to the Super Bowl, being one and done. Like you want guys sucking it up. Play. This is why. Like I just wrote on Dan Campbell and the Lions. Like they. They really try to find a specific type of DNA. You want to find that player who will just, you don't even have to bring it up. Like he's just going to play through everything he can play through. You're not even having that conversation. Um, I don't know how Miami's composition is with the roster, but you have a lot of talented guys. Uh, you know, only, only Jalen Waddle knows what Jalen Waddle is going through, but man, they, they could use him out there. You, you, you do want him numbing up what he can numb up and playing on. Also, we're very player friendly here at Go Long. Like, you got to think about your long term health. Man, it is such a gray area. How do you navigate that if you're in charge, Jim? Shoot them up. You stay out. <laughs> you stay out of that. That's all done. That's downstairs in the training room and the players. That's that's their their decision. That is, they know they need to get out. They know they need to play. And the trainers, they will tell them if you are able to play, you can play. But we will, if you want the shot, you can get the shot. Or the this pill. Is a small right little, now Toradol's a pill. Whatever it is. This is a small little thing that I realized that I wonder if the Bills are happy it's a night game. Because I don't know what the weather's like on Miami, but everyone's talking about the heat. Like, because there's the one side of the stadium where the visitors are, there's no roof. And that's. And I think last year there was the complaint. I mean, not Bills fans were like complaining because it was the sun was on the Bills in that Miami game. But now they have it at night. So obviously it's going to be cool. And that's, I wonder if the bills are kind of thrilled about that in terms of that, if it being that way. 
because you know, but I don't know what this. Uh, Eric says it's low mid sixties. I don't know if that's night or day, but think I, about I do... think about the significance of what we just talked about, Eric, with all, all those scenarios. The Miami, real simple. They lose this game. It's a difference between hosting a home playoff game and possibly playing in the snow next week in Kansas City. Right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the weather forecast right now for Kansas City potentially has temperatures, I think, like below zero with with, with snow. Yeah. I mean, and look, the Dolphins, with their run game, if that's what ends up happening, I know we're sort of now going beyond the Bills game. If that were to happen where the Dolphins do lose on Sunday and they have to play on the road at Kansas City to open the playoffs, their run game does give me the confidence that they can go in there control the ball. We see how Kansas City's receivers have been struggling. And we'll see if Xavier Howard likely would be back for that game. To your point, Jim, get dressed up, lace them up, get on the field and go. Because the Dolphins also face some significant cap constraints next season. So if there's there, I think this is, this playoff run would be the Dolphins' best shot for the next few years until they can figure out what to do with their cap. Because this player, the, the players they have now, a good number of them won't be back next season. So this is their best chance to make it. And yeah, if, if you, if, if there's one thing between being injured and having pain, a lot of guys are injured, but if you can play through that pain, if you can play through the injury and you got your medical staff saying, yeah, you're, we're signing off on it. You're good to go. Well then damn it, get on the field, do what you can. Even if it's for a handful of snaps, just be a decoy in some cases, but just get out there and help the team solidify this win so you can make, get that home playoff game and make a long run. You know, that's where, I'm sorry, Jim, go ahead. Real quick on the decoy thing, that, that, that only works if he's actually healthy enough to be a decoy. They will find out quick. You can see right away, like, they'll know right away what his health level is. If he's out there, my guess is he's dangerous. I, I don't think they're going to put him out there if he can't play because – You'll, they'll find out quick if he's if you see that subtle limp or something he can't do. You, we've all watched enough football when you can tell when a guy's just not right. Tyler, even when you well, sent me that today, the clip, you know, we were checking to see if there was – I mean, that looked pretty good, but you really can't tell until he is out there full speed trying to cut, see how confident he is in himself, and then you'll know. And then that's when the Bills will be like, okay, they'll probably be studying him hard. Trust me, everybody watches the other team in pregame. The warm-ups. That's all you do is the, the other team scouts. And they will be judging all they'll be like, they'll go right in there and say, Hey, Waddle looks full speed to me, guys. So it, it'll it'll be either be a decoy because he is because he is healthy. Yeah, I think too the benefit of this being a night game, it does give them some extra time on their Sunday. Like they have even though he was out there today and he he said he had no pain, didn't feel any adverse effects from practice today. The fact is they still have another 50 some odd hours before they really have to lace it up and go. So those few extra hours can make all the difference with just more treatment, more rest, and a chance to make sure that he's good to go for the game. You know, Mike McDaniel. Sorry, I was going to ask, how do you guys see the Bills secondary matching up against the I know like with Waddle being hurt and, you know, that's the thing I worry most about because like the differences from the first game, Trey White was there. He got hurt like late in that game. Douglas has been really good for them. Like, I, you know, credit to them. But how do you see the Bills, like, defending Hill and Waddle in that in that regard? 
I see the Bills being terrified. They better get a pass rush like every other team. I just think Miami's that good on offense. I don't think it's – I'm not necessarily trying to take away from the Bills' secondary. I just don't think you can slow that offense down when it's clicking. Not, it doesn't matter. And like Rasul Douglas, best thing he does, I mean, he's a, he's a ball hawk. He's nasty, tough. He can't run. So, I mean, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, they can't run. So you better get a pass rush. And do you think Bob Miller plays? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, to your, I, I don't think, to answer that question, I don't think he is going to play. If he's going to play much at all, hasn't been practicing much this week as it is. But one thing with the Dolphins, and this has been something that we've seen throughout the season, the really, the only effective way for stopping the Dolphins is if you either take away whatever Tua's first look is. So if you disrupt the timing of that out route, or you disrupt uh, the play, you know, for the running backs, whatever it is, if you simply do that little thing, that half second time that it takes to sort of have them adjust, that's where the play can kind of break down. Tua tries to scramble, and then the defense has a chance to stop it. But when Tua's on, when he knows exactly where he wants the ball to go, gets that ball out in under two and a half seconds, you can't stop this offense. And I think it's an understatement right now what it means for Miami with Rob Hunt coming back into the game on Sunday. His position at right guard, we forget how good he was in the run game. I mean, he was pulling guys on defense. He didn't care who he was facing against. You could not get him to get around him. And so that on the right side, the way Austin Jackson's been playing with Rob Hunt coming back, that right side is good. Eichenberg was saying today how important it is for him to recognize what the defense is giving him and get that settled as fast as possible before snapping the ball. But if, if the offense is on, if really Tua does not have any disruption and he's able to get the ball where he wants to get it, to Jim's point, this is going to be a dangerous offense on Sunday night. Now, it's not to say the Bills' defense, especially in the secondary, can't put their hands up, tip the ball, create turnovers, and things like that. But they are a lot slower than Miami's defense is on that side of the ball. Javon Holland and Jalen Ramsey and even uh, Elliott and others are going to have to be on their A game. But I really think that they're better set for what this game is going to be than the Bills are. But again, it's such a close match, (laughs) no matter how you look at it, that I still think it's going to be a tight game. But I think Miami wins it out. I would probably say Miami wins it by six or less. On... I think it was Jim earlier mentioned if a guy's out there, he he can play like he, he can cut, he can move that. That's why I thought Mike McDaniel's comments on a uh, Tyreek really, really interesting just to kind of note that because we forget about his ankle injury, right? It looked a couple weeks ago, like this, this guy might be sitting out for a month, you know, these high ankle sprains, it, there, there's some variance there. You know, so, some guys miss a couple weeks, some guys miss a month. Um, but at that position with what he can do, this is what McDaniel said, quote, he's done some inspiring things, making sure he's on the field. He's a fast guy that cuts very violently. So I don't think people can totally understand the amount of toughness it takes to do what he does. That's just physics and science. He can't tiptoe around in this, in his game, nor does he, he's done everything the team could ask for and more. I think that's helping guys really commit to each other. Man, because that's that's the thing. Ty, if Tyreek's out there, Jalen Waddle's out there, you want them at full strength, pressing the secondary. To Eric's point, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, older, 
I'm thinking of the preseason. Sorry, exhibition games. Bob doesn't like the word preseason. It's an overly sanitized word perpetuated by the NFL. And the exhibition season. Jordan Poyer looked old and slow on that Jalen Waddle or Jalen Waddle. Um, was it Jalen Warren for the Steelers? On a touchdown, a long play. And you're thinking, what, what are we getting into this season? If I think that's Miami's best chance. Like press Buffalo vertically with your speed. However you can do it, get those big plays. You're going to need those big plays. Uh, but Sean McDermott, to his credit, like he's going to do everything in his power to prevent those. I mean, in the 13 seconds game, he was thinking, let's let's at least get to overtime, right? A field goal isn't that bad. One safety, 31 yards off the ball. One safety, 26 yards off the ball. Let's take away that big play. If if Miami can just somehow stay a step ahead schematically and and, and devise a play that breaks their speed wide open, I think they can win this game. But 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 that that's McDermott's strength. He knows how to take away those plays. So, Tyler, speaking of old and uninspired, one of those horrible Packers losses I was at was last year in the last game. Rodgers, Cobb, Lazar, that whole crew against Detroit at home. Winning you're in, and um, uh, we're kind of back in that spot again, right? Feels like kind of a final exam for Jordan Love, and very excited to see uh, how that turns out. Uh you know, a quarterback who I have, I, I know he can do it. Uh, I know he's going to run for the end zone, um, you know, when he's got an angle on it and he's going to take a hit rather than, you know, parking it and looking for a field goal. Obviously, we know the vulnerabilities, right? Uh, Herbert, Packers poor run defense. Joe Barry, Justin Fields going to be on national TV playing for maybe his next contract. How do you um, and Jim kind of see this one teeing up? Because I think it's going to be a great game. I'm very excited for it, but kind of curious what everybody thinks. Man, um, this is going to seem like a really lazy take, but I feel like Jordan Love is just going to find a way. Like, I I don't know. I know everybody's excited about Justin Fields right now, and they're chanting, we want Justin. DJ Moore is saying nice things about the quarterback. What? That's always funny, isn't it, Jim? Like when a teammate, what, what's he going to say at this point? Like, I, I don't want Justin back, right? He's not consistent from the pocket. Get me a different quarter. No, he's, they're going to support their guy. I think there's a lot of gray area here, but that Ryan Poles is going to see the big picture. Does one game, like if Justin Fields lights up Joe Barry's defense, which is a possibility, does that one game make him the 2024 starter? I, Maybe I, I feel like the Bears are going to be smarter than that, and they'll reset the clock, pick at number one, go through the Caleb Williams, you know, research and and every, scouting and everything, and, and and come to a decision there. But uh, their Fields is going to look at it that way. The Bears are going to look at it that way. Jobs are on the line. They're going to play desperate. I I just feel like. Jordan Love looked great against the Bears in week one. He'll look great against the Bears in week 18. And the Packers offense will overwhelm the Bears and overcome whatever defense shows up because you don't know what the hell is going to show up with Joe Barry. It's whack-a-mole. Something, something's going to go wrong, and it could be really, really bad. 
but they're at home. We were talking earlier about Dolphins fans. Do they sell their tickets to Bills fans? That's always the debate with 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 Lambo with Packer fans. I think the Packer fans are going to keep their tickets for this one, and there'll be a home field advantage in January for the Packers, and they and they find a way to win it. Maybe Jim has numbers that can back up a point. I really don't because the defense, you know what the hell you're going to get out of Green Bay. All I know is Jordan Love right now is playing really good football, and he did it on the road against Brian Flores, against a coordinator who, I forget the stat. I put it in one of the stories this week. I think it was like one of seven with a pick when he dropped eight in the first game, and it didn't matter what Brian Flores did in the second game on the road like Jordan Love had answers I feel like he'll have answers for whatever Chicago throws at him and Green Bay wins so I don't think this game should matter for fields but we can talk about that let's talk about Green Bay a little um since we haven't yet touched on them I just don't what I worry about in this game the Bears I am betting on the Bears um on this in this game plus the three and a half now plus three and a half now I like that number because the game has a field goal written all over it. But I just don't see – I worry about Green Bay's – their defense is so bad. Yards per play, 21st. Third down defense, 29th, 25th. Like, that's bad defense. And the Bears are hot on offense. They are tough to stop. This is Cam Newton-style offense now. He's he's Cam. Like, that's who he is progressing into um, quickly. Sean doesn't like that kind of offense, by the way. Sean probably doesn't want to prepare against it. No, he said that Cam is the reason the Pack the Panthers didn't win a Super Bowl. What a great game. And Jordan Love, everything you were talking about. The we didn't we we said we're gonna wait all season on the podcast. I'm like, I'm waiting all year because early I was like, holy shit, he is far away. And then you kept seeing every game. There's that I always said that last drive at the driving range or that last hole in golf that you play well keeps you coming back that's what Jordan Love was doing you'd see that one throw it's like how in the hell did he make that throw nobody can do that now he's doing it almost every game he is literally putting on a show right now you see the progression that is we just talked about it on the chat his growth is everything that that organization has to be thrilled I don't understand why they can't get that defense right but and now the last thing on fields I don't think this game should matter for him. Like if they're if they're well run, that decision's made. Because I, I'll I say, can tell you, yeah. Go I'll ahead, say no. this, old Jim. We both know Joe Shane, New York Giants general manager. He said he took the Daniel Jones decision the entire season to the playoffs, and you had a, you, you had a lot of both. You had a, a great wild card win over the Vikings on the road. You had a Awful performance against Philly on the road. And That's then, and then he gets hurt, and you don't – I don't know how you grade him at this point, but the, you grade we'll him another hour to talk Giants. No, they had time. They should – that should not have come down to that. That would be disappointing to me on Joe. Well, it, he but, but he said he took everything into consideration, I should say. That's fair enough. Every game, it's every snap enough. into consideration. Yeah, It's fair, but – So what do you have done with Daniel Jones? No, I would have just kept him at my price. It would have been a team-friendly deal all the way to get out. Because he still had a team-friendly deal. No, because they still they're stuck. That's a lot, aren't they? Stuck for definitely this year. 
They could draft a guy. Oh no, I think that they should not. That should not stop them from drafting a guy early. I'm, I'm, you know where I'm at with Daniel Jones. You, it shouldn't take this long to figure out if a guy's good or not. Not this long. Yeah, yeah. I've had my fill of him. When, when Devito, when Danny Devito came in and they were just fine, I'm like, I'm good. I heard all the excuses early on Danny Jones. He needs this. This guy's hurt. This guy's hurt. DeVito and Tyrod come in. Everything's fine. So circling back, Tyler, to what you and Bob were talking about, <laughs> I'm looking like two things in particular, like for this weekend. One, we don't have Rasul Douglas, like in our defensive backfield anymore. That physicality, that presence is gone. And again, like Shim said, like, who knows what's back there? Like, I, I don't know. But what I also know is we're more than likely to have, you know, Mr. Me himself. <laughs> also back at quarterback, right? In the absence of a couple of guys in Valentine and Valentine who have played quite well and way above expectations. And if a physically imposing head of steam, Justin Fields, is running up the middle of the field, I know who's not going to be getting in on that action with a bum shoulder. And that terrifies me. I worry that some of this stuff might be coming home to roost in a way that we've seen years before. We'll see. And that's why Bob is Bob, right? I mean, he he nailed this from the jump on even the, the verbiage of the public statement by the Packers to even kind of qualify it and condition it. And we can't wait for Jair to get back. He's part of it. Like he, he viewed that. Like, what an opportunity for the Packers to like draw the line of the sand. Uh, maybe Jair Alexander comes out Sunday at four 25 and sticks his nose in there, tackles Justin Fields in the open field. But yeah, you're shaking your head. I agree. I, I can't see him doing that. That Debo play in the divisional round 2021 is seared in the memory. Like he had the opportunity to stick his, his nose in there, make a tackle. And he didn't. That's Dion didn't, but Dion made a hell of a lot of plays as Bob said. So yeah, I'm with McGinn on this one. I would just roll with Valentine, Valentine and take your, take your lumps, take your chances, scrap, survive. Uh, but you're paying J.R. Alexander a lot of money, so I'd imagine they'll they'll play him and hope he can cover D.J. Moore and maybe make those two or three big plays that get you, get gets your defense off the field. And and maybe they're right. I guess I guess we'll find out. That, that's the beauty of it. We'll find out. But they got don't they have so much money just tied up in not a lot of production between Alexander, Bakhtiari, Aaron Rodgers, Devondre Campbell. Yeah, it's that, that that's what would scare me if I'm Green Bay in this game. Just the Justin Fields variable of him making a play that it doesn't matter what you do defensively. And it comes down to mano a mano, somebody making a tackle and he makes that guy miss. I think um, the only other thing I the last thing I'd add on this really is like, yes, I completely agree with that. I'm not confident in the ability of the defense to get off the field, but sort of akin to that Arizona playoff game the year before the Super Bowl run. I'm very confident we have a quarterback now who is going to put his body on the line and die for the goal line and turn three into six, like when it matters and you get one more score than they do. And that's how what amounts to a playoff game kind of produces to sometimes. And that's why I feel good about it. That's why I think Green Bay wins too. I mean, Aaron Rodgers had one foot out the door 
against Detroit, right? Apathetic. He wasn't all there. Game ends, arm around Randall Cobb, theatrical, goodbye. It just it just felt like the end. And this feels like the beginning with Jordan Love. Like it feels like this game is gonna mean something for him, for the team, and the he'll just will the Packers to a win somehow. Where it felt like Aaron Rodgers was gonna will the Packers to a loss somehow. And he threw the pick to Kirby Joseph. And I know I'm a hater and all that, but whatever. I, I you could see it coming. It was building toward that fourth quarter and that letdown. And it just, they, that was the end. That was it. So I, I think that the whole tenor of this game is different. Both the Bears and Packers, what I've seen is both teams believe in their quarterbacks and their level, the whole level of play for both teams is elevated. Since they, you see the rest of the team actually believing, they're like, oh shit. We got the we got a guy, and once we saw it in New Orleans, I saw it with in Philly with McNabb. I saw it in New Orleans with Breeze. When I was in Buffalo, I never saw it. It wasn't. We just never had it. And even with Tyrod, even even the, yes. the occasional game, yes. But it wasn't well real it and genuine. Kyle, Kyle Orton, Tyrod, for sure. Yeah, for sure. They're gonna buy. They're gonna do everything they can, but. That's where, but these, I've seen it elevate. It's awesome. And both defenses, the Bears defense, that trade, that trade was real. That dude has elevated. So it all came together for for the Bears on defense. That's why I'm taking them. I just think even if they lose, Green Bay certainly can beat them. I just see them winning by three, and I got that three and a half. That's why I took it. But I played the number, not necessarily I think the Bears are going to win. I just can't wait to watch that game, too. Like that rivalry is now back, at least for one more game, because what are the Bears going to do after this season? I think I know, but. I love Justin Fields just talking trash oh. about Green Bay. There's that, nothing, like, but, it, yeah. nothing to do but watching. I mean, he's right. I live there. I loved it. I love the fact that there's nothing to do. That's that's a lifestyle I want. You just want to go to Fox Harbor Pub and drink a beer and, you know, maybe there's a good show at Meyer Theater or something. Resh. Uh, but yeah, that was, I, I like a guy being honest at the podium, stirring it up. I know Joe's had his hand up for a while. Joe, you're, you're on, you're free of baby duty. So let's give you the floor here. Yeah. I'm just peeping, uh, peeking over there to see if my wife's coming out. Looking it's, are you like, are you like <laughs> Peter Griffin and family guy where he, he like pulls his eyeball out and he goes into the bar and he's like, <laughs> he throws his eyeball out, keeping an eye on Stewie at the park. I feel like I'm I'm the meme from uh, Trading Places with Dan Aykroyd's like in the rain, and he's looking at like Eddie Murphy, like eating with everyone, and he's like got a Santa suit on, and like that's basically what I feel like right now. But I digress. Um, what do you guys make of the Stefan Diggs snap count? I don't know if you guys saw this, but he had the third fewest snaps for a wide receiver or on uh, Sunday. I think Gabe Davis had more snaps. Shakir had more snaps. And he was, like, at 44. And, like, one drive he wasn't even in the game. Or one drive he wasn't even on the on the field. And I don't know what to make of it. Like, if it's, if it's like, they are falling out of favor with him or it's the run blocking. Like, a lot of people, there's been this conjecture. Like, Gabe Davis is, like, this great down-the-field blocker. And I'm just like, who gives a shit? Like, I don't care. Like, he makes, you know. I, I, have, you, have you guys ever heard of, hey, taking your best wide receiver out because we need to get this one blocker guy in here 
because we're running the football now. And it just, it seems really there's something that kind of stinks there a little bit and it's weird. And like, he's not talking and I don't know what to make of it. Do you guys, I don't know if you watch the tape or the, the games. Does it does it make sense to have a guy off the field because of run blocking for a wide receiver of his caliber for you, Ty and you, Jim? Jim, you go first. I'm not reading much into anything with Diggs. Um, I, I do know what you mean. I, I It seems like he isn't as dominant maybe, but let's let this play out more. I think there's more to come with Diggs. Let's see if he explodes here. If he's healthy, feeling good, and they go on a run, they're going to need him to be involved. They know that. He has to be a part of their game plan. They're, that You need his – You need the defensive coordinator of the other team needs to know Diggs is out there, that Diggs is involved. They need to be game planning for Diggs because at the end of the day, everybody knows how to game plan for Gabe Davis. But that's my, that's my issue, though, like – is that he's not on the field? Like he he literally was on the I'm, field for four. Yeah, I'm with that's, you. That's like because it's like it's, it's when he's not on the field, you're tipping your hat to the defense where they're going to go. Oh, he's not on the field. They're going to try to run the football because who, who's going to worry about Gabe Davis and Shakir? And that's that's kind of where I, I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Like like yeah, you want you want the defense to be accountable. Like we got we got to worry about things. But if he's off the field, they're going to be like, well shit, they're going to be running down the field. They're going to run. Like and I, I just. That's why I don't. It's it's just like the, this past week was just for me. I was like annoyed by it, and he, and since Brady came, it's been like they've run the football more. I think they kept showing the stat like since Brady came in, they're running the ball like fifty two percent of the time or something like that. And now Diggs isn't on the field as much, and I'm just kind of like I'm trying to think. Like I don't remember Randy Moss getting off the field so they could have Robert Smith run up the field like. We got to get Randy Moss off the field because he's not a good blocker. We got to have, you know, Chris Carter and Jake Reed block. It just kind of like, it just kind of feels like, I don't know. It's, it's just weird to me. Yeah. And like, if he's, if he doesn't have a good game Sunday, I think, I think hell's going to break loose. Like after this season, I think he's going to be like, peace out. Like he's going to do, he's going to do his slow moving coup. Like he did in Minnesota where no one knew he wanted out. And then like he wanted out. And I think he's going to be like, I don't know. It's, it just smells bad to me. Like this Sunday for the Bills, I think is like they lose and they're out of the playoffs. I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of shit's going to hit the fan. Like within there, McDermott will be safe. I think the, the owner loves him, but I think I think a lot of the veterans are going to be like, yeah, we're out. That's just my humble opinion. That's a point that I I would tiptoe around. Right. If I was if I was on the beat writing stories about Diggs this week, because he's liable to just blow up. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Stefan Diggs went for a buck fifty, a couple touchdowns, you know, no Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey, is he gonna follow him? I don't know. Like no pass rush. So he he could do that, but you're reading the tea leaves the right way, Joe, because it could be a couple things, right? Like it could be, if you're thinking of it through the Bills lens, he's a receiver that's getting older. The, these guys fall off the cliff pretty pretty abruptly. Maybe he is losing a step. Maybe I, I'm not grinding the all 22 watching, you know, his miles per hour play to play. It, it maybe, maybe there is something there and they don't like his effort in the run game. Or maybe this is Stephon Diggs being 100% correct having deja vu. This is why he, he wanted out of Minnesota. 
he saw where Mike Zimmer was taking that offense. Zimmer injected himself into the offensive equation and wanted he wanted more of a running game. He 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 wanted it. Diggs wasn't pissed off at Kirk Cousins. It, I know that that was kind of out there. That wasn't the case. He was mad at Zimmer. He was mad at the coaches. He was mad at them kind of turning the clock back to the 90s, and then he wanted the hell out of there in his prime. I mean, I'm sure Diggs still believes he's in his prime, so I'm sure Diggs is still upset at the direction of the offense. He's not going to hold a press conference and talk about it. I mean, you saw Tim's story, Tim Graham's story, right? He, I believe he hasn't – he's not speaking twice a week. And if the Bills reporters really wanted to press the issue, they could take this to the PFWA and say – He's got to talk contractually. I, I doubt they'll do it, uh, but he's not talking for a reason. And I would think he's a little upset with where this offense is going. If he goes for a buck 50, two touchdowns, he'll just have his press conference and blame the media and blame anybody for making this an issue. If they lose, if he gets five targets and he catches three of them for 30 yards and the snap count goes down, there's an issue. And that, that's why the NFL is great, because one football game means as much as 10 baseball games. Like, it can go one direction or the other week to week, let alone a game 272. You win, you're in, lose, depending on Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, you could be out. Man, there's so much on the line for Stephon Diggs' future. And, and good luck to the Bills if you move on from Stephon Diggs, if you move on from a true number one, because Gabe Davis, it's... Man, it's boomer bust. And beyond that, I don't know what you have a wide receiver. You're you're going hunting this offseason. It's crazy. You mentioned Graham. He had a piece today where he interviewed uh, the twin from the New England Patriots, who's now an uh, a insider, Devin McCord. Yes, and he basically was like, he thought from watching the film they were purposely phasing digs out, and like because he was like he's playing, he's open, like he definitely. And I was like. Graham's like tagline to get people to you know read which fine obviously but that's why I say like I can't I can't I can't wrap my head around fucking 44 snaps and like there's 64 snaps in that game on Sunday it it I'm like why why it, like like I get you want different personnel I don't know Joe Brady very well uh, you know he seems I, I don't know much aside from they committed to the run is basically outside of that Philly game I thought Josh Allen's kind of been kind of there. He wasn't hasn't been really good the last two weeks, and you know I go back to your story about like him wanting to run the football with Dable and all that shit, and now it feels like, look, maybe it's a situation, and like it's the other team that's what they're showing their cards, and we gotta run should rush the football. But as you said, if Miami's as banged up in their secondary on Sunday as possible, and you're going against Tua, and then you have the Josh Allen resume of like him obliterating Miami. There's no reason why they shouldn't be throwing the ball 40, you know, 30, 40 times a game on Sunday. Unless, unless they got eight defensive backs on the field or something ludicrous like that. It's This is the perfect game to get back on track if you're interested in winning Super Bowls. Hey, if you want to win a division and 10, 11 games, grind it out. What's interesting to me is that since Ken Dorsey was let go in mid-November, Stephon Diggs has had only one game where he broke 50 yards receiving. One. Now, you know, there were there were certainly some issues with Stephon very early in the season. Um, he certainly 
thought about sitting out. He sort of caused a ruffle in the locker room. And then if they said, it's not a big deal, we've settled everything, season went on, and they actually were. But they've been struggling all season. And I know that Stefan, you know, early in the season had a string of four 100-yard games in a row. And since then, he's just been tapering off. So whether that coincides with his consternations, maybe, right? He may feel like I'm not performing to what I believe is what I'm capable of doing. We're not winning enough games because I'm not getting the ball enough times. Maybe he's frustrated because of the way the offense is now with Brady. Maybe Josh isn't seeing that he is open, but if he gives him another second, he will be open and the ball's not getting there in time. But it is, it's just interesting to see just the stats on paper for their number one receiver doing what he's doing. Meanwhile, you flip to Miami as we go back to the game for a moment, and you see what Waddle's numbers have been in that same time frame. Waddle, as a number two, is outperforming Diggs as a number one. And we know Hill's having a record-breaking, well, could if he hadn't been injured, could have been on a record-breaking season. But those are very different perspectives of two star-wide receivers in this coming to this game. And I think to your point, Tyler, if Stefan does go back to what he was at the beginning of the season, when the Bills were very dominant offensively, especially in that week four game against Miami, in that game, Stefan went for uh, six receptions for 120 with three touchdowns in that game. I think he has to have something close to that uh, with Allen just to be able to keep themselves in the game. If he is what he has been the last month and a half or so, I just don't see how really, especially because as Jim pointed out earlier, the run game for Buffalo, if the run defense for Miami is what they have been, because even Baltimore, their run game was not that stout. If Cook is able to be contained in that game and you're not getting the ball to digs that much, to me, I think it may be possible that Buffalo struggles to score 20. I, don't know. I feel like Allen's so good they can get to 20, but if they are so adamant on running the ball and they feel like that's got to be the focus, it could get interesting. I know uh, Colin and Glenn are, are here. Good good to see you, fellas. But want to give you guys a chance to chime in if you got a thought, a question, an insight, a beer to share, anything. How's it going tonight? Yeah, well, bourbon. But um, – the uh, <laughs> same, but we're out. Uh, with the Diggs thing. You got to remember, they did they, yeah, exactly. The, the last uh, last few games, Diggs has still been getting his uh, his deep shots, and Allen has missed half yard short one time for an interception, half yard too long the other night. I mean, he would have been over a hundred both games if you know Allen was on target there. So it's not it's not the end of the world. But yeah, I agree with Joe. Diggs is going to be an issue if they lose this week. Next week, um, don't know if he comes back if we have some head coach. Um, I don't want to put in your mouth, but during that, the McDermott series, it seemed like you did whether or not maybe you just couldn't get on record. It's like the issue in the preseason was Diggs and McDermott, not as some people speculated, Diggs and Allen. But besides the fact that, maybe, as you said, Allen didn't take Diggs' back. Um, as for Poyer and Hyde, uh, if you, if you heard Rasul Douglas, um, he kind of took a dig at, uh, your Packers over there, Chris, um, saying that, you know, he could take those chances now because he had safeties behind him. 
um, that he trusted. So there, there, there is a little bit of that in there. So it, as much as we say Micah and and Jordan are, are a, a step slower, they st- I bet you they're still the top 15 duo as far as safeties go in the NFL. And, you know, and hopefully we can keep them both on very team friendly. I want to stay playing, you know, contracts next year. But been liking how Cam Lewis looks out there in, in the defense when he's been in. Uh, Rap is a little hit or, hit or miss. Um, as far as 20 points would be a, a bare, uh, bare minimum where things would be turnovers left and right if they couldn't get to 20. Um, you know, Allen is good for his one turnover a day, which is fine. It's I think that's just put that in the bank um, and expect him to get two or three touchdowns. If he doesn't get that two or three touchdowns, then we got issues. But, you know, anybody have any comments on that, I'll, I'd like to hear them. Alan, what you were talking about with the safeties, um, you're right. The only way you can play once you lose speed is incredible instincts and love for the game. And that's what those two, that's why, that's what always made those two so special um, as a duo. And I do think they still are a top probably 10 duo. You know, they, they, they coaches, coaches have a, they put such a value on instincts and communication and Hyde and Poyer have that. You can't. And that's why Rasul Douglas is talking about. It's so comforting for a corner once he knows everything because safety sometimes that's, that's your quarterback back there. Those guys need to let the corners know exactly what's going on. Those guys are laser focused straight ahead and they got to listen, listen, trust. And those safeties can't make you look bad on tape. And those guys don't do that. With the cornerbacks there, I wonder how much of it is McDermott's scheme because in the past it seemed like the guys are in position, Levi, Dane Jackson, but they're not ball hawks. I don't know if that's taught to be stay back and just get the eight-yard tackle, get you know, let him hit that curl hook and, and get the tackle. Or if is it is it coached out of them by the McDermott scheme to to go for it? Is what I I'm think wondering. so. I don't know what you, what you think, Jim, but I feel like that's a strength and a weakness of McDermott's defense where he really feels he can manually put you in the position to make the play. This is your responsibility on this play in this coverage, this scheme. Um, so where, where Rasul Douglas is going to gamble, he's going to, he's going to take risks. He's going to get beat, but he's going to make a play. Yeah. I can still remember and to kind of bring it to the Packers here too. My first year on the beat, uh, so this is 2011 preseason. The Packers had a preseason game against the Colts. I want to say Curtis Painter lit them up in the preseason. And I remember writing a story off of that game, citing, I'm paraphrasing at the Journal Sentinel, citing the fact that like the DBs, they're, they're taught to take chances, jump routes, make a play. And the year before they won the Super Bowl, I'm kind of basing this off of conversations I had with uh, the defensive backs. Well, Joe Witt wasn't happy, the cornerbacks coach for Green Bay. He's pissed. I get a call from Packers PR. Joe Witt wants to see you at his office. I'm like, this is like the next day, day after a preseason game. I'm like, well, I'll I'll see him at a, a practice the next day. We can, we can chat then. Okay. Practice ends. Joe Witt walks right toward me with my article, waving it. And he's got it highlighted right there. The, what, I, what I wrote on what the DB said. And I'm like, Joe, that this is what, this is how they described 
you know, you're, you're coaching what they're allowed to do. And I, I wrote it as a strength. Like that you guys force a lot of turnovers. That's a good thing. But he was pissed. Like that he, he believed it was a reflection of his coaching. Long story short, we had a great conversation, ended up having a, a really good working relationship. The four and a half years, however long I was out there, uh, Man, he was pissed off about an exhibition game sidebar Packers Colts uh, affair. I, I, to, if you fast forward it to 2023, that's 2011. You still need a player like that in your deep. It, this league, it's, it's big plays that decide these games. I, I know Bob thought it was a, a win for Buffalo. I'm sorry, a win for Green Bay to get a pick out of Rasul Douglas. I guess time will tell, but I think it's pretty clear. You'd rather have Rasul Douglas taking those chances. Like they lose that game to freaking Bailey Zappi without Rasul Douglas. You lose you lose to the the zombie Patriots without him. So yeah, give me a DB that takes chances. Tyler, do you remember? I think you were covering the team when we had Bakari Rambo. Yes. Um, we picked him up. Like it was a he, but he and I'm not saying he's Rasul Douglas. He's not, but he Rasul's had a better career, but Bakari Rambo had that same just natural, ridiculous ball hawk instinct. He had it in Georgia, had it, you know, he just, at the end of the day, just wasn't fast enough to play. But, man, those guys are invaluable when you get those 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 pickups in the season like that. And to your point, they actually win you a game. Man, that was a, that was a great move for Buffalo, I think. I'm Diggs, too, real quick, because Colin mentioned him as well. I just pulled up, this is from um, part two of the series. This is a, an ex teammate on offense. He says he knows for a fact that Diggs does not enjoy playing for Sean McDermott quote. I know Diggs and Diggs wants to be able to do what he wants to do with OTAs and shit like that. Diggs is going to get his work in the organization I'm at now understands the great players don't need you to babysit them to be great. Diggs wants to be great for Diggs. And when you question that Diggs gets pissed off because that's testing his integrity and what he wants to be. And I definitely think that's where Sean fucks up. Sorry for the language, but that's uh, it, it, when he's, when that player told me that it reminded me of Shannon sharp, that chapter in blood and guts where it made Mike Shanahan mad that sharp wanted to do his thing in Atlanta train in the off season. It took a long time, but eventually Shanahan, Mike Shanahan told me this. He's like, all right, I realize that's what you need Shannon to get to where you want to get to. I, I would think that's probably what the thing was in minicamp with the Bills. How, wh- Whatever the details were, I'm not sure. Nobody really knows. But Sean is controlling. Sean wants guys there. And, and, and minicamp is mandatory, too, to McDermott's credit. Like, it's not OTAs. Uh, maybe that's where it was. But, yeah, and also Josh Allen's not confrontational. Like, he's not somebody that's going to like demand the bills do this offensively. That's not his personality at all. So if there is something between Diggs and McDermott, I can't see Sean or I can't see Josh Allen, like boys really coming to his defense, going to Sean fighting for Diggs. Like it's just, he's not a confrontational guy. So maybe there's something there. We, 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 we can only guess because we're not going to get the truth at a podium. For those of you who are Buffalo fans, what is the Diggs deal? Like, how many years does he have left there? Like, how long are they locked in on that? I'm going to pull it up here if somebody wants to. I know, I know he's it, the the dead cap is like 27 million if they cut him. It, it, it's it's something where it's it would 
I don't know how they would. I don't know how we wouldn't be on the team because of the financial reasons next year. <laughs> I'm sure somebody's thinking about it though. You're right. They they have an out in 2025, but for 2024 per spot track, Michael Gennetti, Buffalo man who runs this excellent website that we all live on. The, uh, the dead cap is 31 million for 2024. So if you want to pay somebody that much money to not catch passes, I, yeah. I would try to make well, that person. Hell, I'll probably go to New York at that point. I mean, just add that to the Alan Lazard investment and uh, call it a day, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, I Tyler, I, you know, games like this, guys, it's real simple. That old phrase, big-time games, big-time players step up. We need to see digs. That simple. Or else it's time to move on. Because if you're not seeing him in this game and you lose, something's not right. I think we're going to see him, Tyler. I'm with your stats on that. Sorry, Glenn has his hand up. I'm sorry, Glenn. I just wanted to say that. No, you're all good. <clears throat> hey, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. Thanks um, for coming on. So a little context. I'm a, I'm a Bears fan, Bears season ticket holder. I live 15 minutes from Lambeau for the last six years. Um, I can't take it anymore. Um, some of the coaches are my, some of the Packers coaches are friends and it's, I, you know, I get it from every goddamn direction up here. Um, and I'm just, I'm sick of hearing about fields and Getsy and all this, you know, just all this nonsense. I, I guess my question is, is Jim and Tyler, if, what would you, what would you do with Eberflus and what would you do with Getsy? I'm going to, I'm going to let the uh, personnel man take this one first. Real simple. Who is the best coach for the quarterback that you're moving forward with? If Ryan polls, if I think I know what's happening, they're moving on to Caleb Williams. I would, it is time to pair him up with whoever you think is ready to groom him to be the next great quarterback. If you think it's fields in the current situation, keep it rolling. Then I then that's the only situation I would see keeping the current staff is if you're committing yourself to Fields and you don't want to rock his world anymore. He's had his world rock every year. We we don't give that enough credit, Tyler. We always talk about being set up for failure. When you're a young quarterback and you're getting new coordinators every year, new head coaches, that's set up for failure. Fields has fought through that and is somehow he's doing what he can. And I, I Glenn, I'll, I'll stop with this and Tyler can go, but I think he's progressed to the Cam Newton, like right on that path to be Cam Newton type style quarterback. That's what you're getting if you're committing to fields as an organization. Where Williams, it's close. It's more on the Mahomes path. That's the arm talent Williams has. So I'll leave it at that. I've I've had season tickets since Dick Duran. That's how long I've had them, and I wouldn't know a good offensive coordinator, if, you know, if you walked up on me. So. Hey, Glenn, you don't want they, the probably next Jim Miller? Good, they probably have a good quarterback, the good ones. <laughs> Jim Miller and who was the running back? Anthony Thomas, right? They, they won 13 it, games one of those years. Force, defense forces turnovers. I had so much fun watching A-Train, man. That, that guy would just – I think he had like 1,800 yards that year. Hey, Glenn, I worked with Mike Martz in the AAF um, in San Diego. He was our head coach. Now, what would you think of the Martz, Jake Cutler, uh, Chicago <laughs> – Chicago? 
I'm really yeah. I'm glad March traded Greg Olson. Ask him about that. I think hey, it's Glenn, important I to remember, you, though. I promise you, Mike Martz will. It was not his fault. I promise you that. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll, I'll take that for what it is. But was it so, uh, late September, early October? It seemed like there was a real power struggle in Chicago. Like Fields had that press conference where he said, "Like I, I'm, t- I'm, I'm not going to overthink anymore. I'm just going to go. I got to freelance. I got to do my thing." And he kind of won because it seems like the way he's been playing the last month, he's running a lot and he's freelancing. He's not just sitting in the pocket. And I'm not saying one way is better than the other way, but Getsy and Eberflus, they they lost whatever battle was being waged behind the scenes. So it would seem to be the decision is polls, but maybe it's Kevin Warren. Is it above polls? Like, does the team president say, all right, guys, like, it didn't work. You don't see eye to eye. Like we really have to reset this whole thing and take a big swing at a Mahomesian arm talent potential Caleb Williams. Like, I, do 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 you swing for the fences if you're Chicago and go for broke and see what happens? And and you're resetting the clock. Then you don't have to worry about paying Justin Fields forty mil, forty five mil, whatever his agency is going to ask for eventually. That's I still think that's the best option if you're Chicago. I mean, what a great position to be in. I wouldn't I wouldn't overthink it and say we're winning games with Fields because that's that's the spin zone, right? Like, no, they had their differences, but they figured it out, and now we're winning games. We figured we 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 figured a formula out here. Now let's trade out of number one, get a Marvin Harrison Jr. and make this work. To to me that personal opinion i think that's overthinking it like just take take a swing don't be afraid see see what you yeah. have all, warts I and see, all I, I see a couple of comments about them hiring Harbaugh, harbaugh i don't I, there's no way kevin warren's hiring harbaugh there's no way he took so many pot shots at kevin warren when he was the big 10 commissioner there's no way <laughs> right i don't think i don't think the bears have the money that harbaugh is going to ask for they they don't they like never, to spend they don't like to no. spend that. They've they've never I think probably Wanstead was the only guy they hired that was kind of an in demand guy. Ben Johnson, Caleb Williams, full steam ahead. Why not? I see I take a different approach there. I think that they could do a Kevin Costner draft day style sort of approach. Because <laughs> if, if Justin, all right, you're kicked off. You're kicked right, off so at the happy hour. So let's say let's say Justin Fields has the kind of game that Jared Goff did for the Lions last year in Lambeau and gets the upset win on the road, right? That would force I mean, look, this game's gonna be a good game regardless because of the quarterbacks and the way they've been playing. Heading into this game, I think, again, I said this in the chat earlier, I think Jordan Love's really going to be the key player for this game. I still think the Packers win this game. But Justin Fields and Eberflus have had some kind of connection the last several weeks, and the Bears have been playing much better. So let's say they do get that win. Now you've got to consider what happens in the offseason. Now, in the NBA years ago, when the Miami Heat had an incredible second-half run, Pat Riley decided to keep the players they had, keep the roster together, gave a lot of money to who they had, and then the wheels kind of fell off in the coming years after that. But I think with the Bears having the number one pick locked in, and of course with their wins, they've dropped down to the middle of the draft board with their own pick. But you could conceivably trade the first pick away to say Washington. 
you drop down again, and then let's say you trade again with the Patriots, and you get more picks. Ideally, if you want to take Fields and his talent and keep it in Chicago, you could now get a swath of draft picks that you can use to build a lot of capital around Justin Fields to make this team what it needs to be. So that's a possibility, too. I don't think they'll do that, but that certainly is an option for them, given the draft capital they have heading into next season, where they can actually get more players around Justin and make him be the kind of player they think he could be. I know Tim has his hand raised, and he's our resident Detroit Lions diehard. So if they do that, Tim, are you scared of Justin Fields as a Lions fan? Is it, are, the, are the Bears frightening you as the toast of the NFC North? Given our struggles defending mobile quarterbacks, I would much rather the Bears take Caleb Williams and have to break in a rookie quarterback than have to deal with Justin Fields two times a year for the next five seasons. That, that game in Detroit killed me. Sorry, not sorry. Gave it away. <laughs> I love, I mean, I love the, the Lions the... updates on the chat, by the way, Tim. Thank you for always filling us in. I, that, that's where I get all, all things Lions each Sunday. Hey, after 30 years of being irrelevant, it's nice for, for the national media to pay attention to us. <laughs> I went to, I went to buddy s- Colin Cowherd. I went to school so, at Eastern Michigan for college, and and I never missed a Bears game because the the Lions never were on TV. So I remember. <laughs> I wasn't telling Eric Kramer when that game though. I have a question uh, for Jim, and it's about Jared Goff. Where did the narrative that he can't win in the elements come from? Because I just checked earlier, he's only played about 10 games, 10 or 11, where the kickoff temperature was under 40 degrees. I think it's a myth. I agree. Because there's no facts. You only hear it. I think he's had a couple blow-up games Mm -hmm. in bad weather or iffy weather, but... I don't think it's like, I think it's overblown. I I think think, bottom line though, I do think he does. He looks completely different outdoors as a team. I feel like, I don't think they're the same offense outdoors in the elements, but nobody is. Yeah. But you'd think we'd be equipped given having the best running game or traditional running game in the NFC. We don't have a mobile quarterback, but both our running backs are within a hundred yards of being thousand yard rushers we have this great offensive line. I just wonder, one, you know, where the narrative come from, and two, if it is true, why are we struggling? I can tell you this. I was at his pro day, and the weather was not good. He was, he was fine, whipping it around. Not, not an issue at all. I, I'm over. I'm kind of over it. For me with golf, he throws picks. He can't move. I think it's hard to win with that. But, man, when it's right, it's right. I mean, it's pretty. Did you guys think about moving up 2016? I remember seeing you at the Senior Bowl Mobile. You were pretty high on Wentz. Uh, you, you had the year of Tyrod Taylor, up and down. How much consideration was given to, you know, joining the madness at the top of that draft? Zero consideration from the people that needed to make the decision. <laughs> I was I was ready to mortgage the future for somebody. I just wanted Oh, you were? 
I was. I just wanted a quarterback. I wanted Wentz. But I would I would have but man, look good for a little. But anyway. Yeah, hey, nobody... he's starting Sunday. Showdown, yeah. baby. Wentz Darnold. That? How great is that? But what so where was Doug Whaley on that debate? Like, how does that no, conversation we, we go brought down? It just was too much. Just we we're too we was too far. We were too far back. It would have been a lot. It would have been a lot. Where was Rex? Rex is probably thinking, give no, me whoever. I've got the defense. No, Rex is cool. Rex is awesome with drafts. Yeah, he's always he's open minded. Terry is too. It was just too much. It was the, it was the right decision. We just had to talk about it. It wasn't a trust me. It wasn't some big. That was like one of those quick, maybe over dinner and some wine. There's <laughs> like no the, wine had. <laughs> I can tell you this. I don't know if there was any. I don't know if I ever had water in Buffalo. When I was with the Pagoulas, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was always red wine. You got to pace in space, man. You got to pace in space. Greg Popovich, Antonio Spurt. You got to spread spread the court. Work in some waters. I mean, our, we're, we're sitting there watching games with Terry at the, the Bills games. It was like, we had some good bottles of wine in, in the, you know, in those owner suite. We're like, geez. Not bad. Hey, well. Anyway, we got off topic. Started making me think about that. Is there uh, anybody else have thoughts, questions before we, uh, you know, all give our kids baths and read some Spider-Man some books? Eagles talk as Eagles. much as I, I, the uh, the Eagles fans are um, they're eating their young uh, like they always do. They've gotten rid of uh, Andy Reid. They've gotten rid of Doug Peterson, and um, I think uh, <laughs> they're working their way to Sirianni. Um, the players, uh, I mean, you, you listen to Hassan Reddick. So I don't know if anybody saw his comments, uh, basically about switching D coordinator and how hard it is in the middle of the year, and and how it they just learned the size defense, and now they got to learn Patricia's defense, and the terminology is different. So it's not just the switch. Apparently, isn't just you know status quo. Who's calling the plays? But it's all they're bringing Patricia's terminology. And and everything more on this, um, along with you know the quarterback calling out his team for commitment. Um, that happened what two weeks ago. Um, the I, you know with the two new coordinators going into the year, of course you expect, yeah, you, know, you would expect them to start one and five and not finish one and five, uh, where they started ten and one and now they're 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 backing off of it. Um, I don't know what the read is otherwise, but, uh, you know, just always the, the frat bro shtick hasn't, uh, hasn't worked for me. So I, I don't know what everybody else thinks. So I, I'd like to hear it. I have nothing good to say about Matt Patricia. Neither does Tracy Walker or anybody who played for him ever. Send Patricia to Gitmo. I will say though, Mike Daniels actually was pretty complimentary because he's an older school guy. He said, ah, he kind of liked some of that stuff, but then acknowledged, yeah, it's a different generation. You can't really talk to people like that. That dichotomy, though, I know we're getting off the rails here in Patricia, but I'm still blown away by the fact that even the Tracy Walkers, the Darius Slays, the Glover Quinns, these guys who were hypercritical of him, they said like in, in the building, once he was 
out of the practice field in the hallways. He was great. They loved him. You want to get the proverbial beer with him, but then on the practice field, he's mother effing guys up and down. And it kind of blows my mind that that's where the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl hopes now hinge Matt Patricia and the defense with Darius Slay at cornerback. Can they somehow turn this around? Uh, Boy, they just have one and done written all over them, don't they? That We always talk about the team that you don't want to face in January. They're the team that you want to face right now, the Eagles. Yeah, I tend to think the same thing. I mean, if, if you're looking at the two conferences and what the playoff rosters might look like, the AFC has been a more competitive conference the entire season, and they have a better, they have a winning record versus the NFC versus the NFC against the AFC. And to start 10-1 and one and just have the wheels completely fall off. I mean, you've got just when you look at the roster up and down, offense and defense, you'd have to imagine that this is a powerhouse team. And we know that, you know, some teams can struggle coming off of a Super Bowl season. We're seeing the Chiefs do the same thing, right? Like both teams in the Super Bowl last year are sort of struggling here midway and late into the season. But the Eagles in the NFC seem to be one of the weaker teams. I mean, I guarantee and I know Jim's talking about betting lines here earlier in the podcast. But if you were to have Tampa Bay host the Eagles, and the Eagles have to go on the road despite having a better record than the Bucks do, I tend to think the Bucks have a good chance of winning that game at home in Tampa with a roster of players that tend to know how to win playoff games inside of Raymond James Stadium. So if you're an Eagles fan, you've got to be sort of uneasy with having Matt Patricia over Sean Desai and really kind of seeing how the team goes. Because clearly they're not the same team that last year was. And the games they were winning last year in the margins, late in games. I mean, they're giving up late scores a lot this season. They're losing those games a lot more than they were last year. So whether it's them regressing back to the norm and having the type of season that, that is more likely to be happening, maybe that's it. But there's something different with this team over the last six weeks. And I tend to think that they could be one and done probably more than any other team in the playoffs this season. Noted Baker Mayfield apologist Jim Monas about to explain why Baker Mayfield is going to go score earth on Matt Patricia. I mean, we just talked about, as soon as we talked about Tampa, I said I wasn't sold yet and they lost to New Orleans. So I'm still not sold on Tampa. And I think Philly beats Tampa, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, Tampa I'm not high on. But I'm, my issue with Philly is their corners can't run. Bradbury and Slay are so damn tough and long and physical, but they can't cover and are getting penalties all the time. We're going to have a guest on Go Long, uh, Eagles Hall of Famer, who I was fortunate enough to be with and I'm fortunate enough somehow to be on a text chat with him a lot. Um, and he has issues. He's, you know, he talks about the Eagles all the time. Um, and that's what he, we say it all the time. They get penalties. They can't cover. They can't run. So there's real issues there talent wise too. I think a little bit in the secondary, if they're not getting to the quarterback and then Hertz, Hertz has always to me, just remember he was benched in college for a reason. And sometimes you see, you see what you're never going to see the progressions and the timing throws with Hertz. It's there's some pause in his game right now when he's pausing in the pocket, not seeing things quick. And that's hard for him. He's not a natural thrower of the football. So when he's not in rhythm and quick, a lot of guys aren't great in rhythm, but he's not, I'm not seeing the dynamic runs like I used to. 
I can't get over his touchdown record, you know, from this um, quarterback sneak. I'm not calling it whatever, but it's quarterback sneak. Anyway, <laughs> it's not fair. That's we not don't fair say preseason and we don't say tush push. No tush, but it's not fair to Cam Newton. Anyway, there's my Eagles rant. So they win because you hate Tampa Bay. You're you're an anti-Bakeite. No, because that I mean that would be a hell of a game though because of what I just said and what uh, Tim said in the chat. Mike Evans and Godwin are destroy Philly secondary. Well, this was awesome. I can't thank everybody enough for hanging out on a Friday night like this. Thank you, everyone. We've all have wives and kids and responsibilities, and here we are talking football for an hour and a half. Um, Can I ask one quick question? Can I ask one quick question? No, no, because that's my because I'm wrapping it up. Oh, get the hell out! You know what? I was going to ask since Aaron Rodgers, you know, named Jimmy Kimmel on the, the Epstein list. Are you on it too? Because he's, it seems like he's going after people he doesn't like. <laughs> so are you on that? Are you on that list? I'm just, I'll, I got your back. If you know, you need a witness to say like, Oh, I know Ty since his Buffalo news days, he can't get on that plane. And we wonder why people are afraid to criticize the great man that is Aaron Rodgers. He might just, you know, insinuate that you're a pedophile that hung out with Jeffrey Epstein and, and uh, underage girl, you know, that, that might happen if you have the audacity to criticize Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah. To, to, to the shock of no one, Jimmy Kimmel, not on the list that, so was, did David Bakhtiari Rogers' buddy, he, he like shared a fake list that had Jimmy Kimmel on it. Is that true? Did I see that? And then that's what made Aaron just float this on ESPN. Yeah, I don't even know. I know people were floating it after the fact, like today and yesterday. Like they were putting like a fake list out there, but I have no idea. That's why Rogers. They've had a feud for a while. Uh, if you want to call it that, so I don't. I haven't. That's well, you know, I'm I'm glad. You know, five years ago is when that Bleach Report story came out, and he called it a smear attack. And and, and clearly, since then, he's looked in the mirror and mirror, and he's seen where he needs to improve as a person, as a player, as a person. And he's taken those. No, he hasn't. He hasn't necessarily taken those steps. So here's a list that Rodgers should care about quarterbacks with multiple Super Bowl wins. Right. It's all connected somehow. All right, Joe. I'm done. Thanks for getting that in. That was good. (laughs) Yeah. And thank Uh, you, everyone. Let's do this again very soon. We're all over the country. This is phenomenal. Really appreciate you all. Enjoy the games, too.